The Passion of Christ, the movie by Mel Gibson. Dear friend, this is a difficult topic that I wish to address. It is the whole question of idolatry. And in the history of idolatry, there never has been a time when so many people have been accepting the principles by which it is allowed to make images, videos, pictures of Christ. Evangelicals who never before would succumb to human rationale are now falling under the massive entertainment world and video world and world of images to bow the knee to modern technology that somehow God and Christ Jesus in particular can be portrayed in a visual form. So we've come to a real crucial part of history. In this presentation I will call the movie made by Mel Gibson, I'll call it A Blasphemy Against Christ. Now that is very strong words, but you will see it is a grave disrespect of who Christ is and of the message, the biblical message of his suffering and death. What has been presented in this movie called The Passion. And you will see that what I say is justified. No matter how horrendous the sufferings of Christ were that are portrayed in this touching and moving video, moving film, it is still far short of the message of Scripture, so short that it denies the very words of the Lord. The sufferings of Christ, while they were horrendous, were not what he suffered the most. It was his suffering the wrath of God in place of the true believer who would trust on him alone. And this we will see in the course of this presentation. So I ask that we pray together as we discuss this for wisdom and insight from the Lord because this is a very serious topic we are addressing. The written form of this presentation that I call The Passion of Christ, The Vivid Deception of Mel Gibson, is on our webpage, and the documentation of what I say in this presentation is given there in different footnotes. I will not call out all these footnotes as it would take up too much time, but you can go to our webpage, BereanBeacon.org, that is B-E-R-E-A-N-B-E-A-C-O-N.org, and you will see that all that I say is fully documented. There has seldom been a movie that has created such a favorable impact and publicity than this movie. Even on the evangelical community, there is, as it were, a tidal wave of excitement sweeping the evangelicals and across the whole movie and entertainment industry. On Catholic Ash Wednesday, there appeared 
in theaters right across America the movie on the passion. Evangelical churches were quite busy buying and booking blocks of tickets and reserving theaters for their people to go and see this film. A seemingly endless list of endorsements from major evangelicals has been paraded across the world. Such names as Billy Graham, Jack Graham, who is the um, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Rick Warren, Jack Hayford, and on and on, and many, many Catholic leaders, as you would expect, and an endless list also of public celebrities. These celebrities presenting to the public this movie as something that they should see and endorsing it. So the movie world, the entertainment world, and the evangelical world all giving their endorsements to this film. It is supposedly a movie that presents the evangelical gospel. There is a fawning adulation, a falling down, as it were, before this movie, and such things as people now selling what is called the very nails on which Jesus hung, and all sorts of artifacts going with the movie, all sorts of things appearing on the internet, on newspapers and magazines in different places. It is having its impact not only here in the United States, but it has been discussed around the world. The Catholic Church has led the evangelicals into accepting making images of Christ and such movies as this movie. And there are evangelicals now who are quite like Catholics who do not see anything wrong in making an image of Christ they seem to have forgotten the scriptures, that the scriptures say that the glory of God cannot be pictured. The Apostle Paul emphasized the fact that idolatry changes the image of the glory of God, the incorruptible God, into an image, and that is exchanging the glory of God for the image of a corruptible man. And that is exactly what the scripture, the scripture commands we are not to do. The same apostle in addressing the Athenians said, for as much as then we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, silver, or stone, graven by art or man's device. Any graven image or three-dimensional image of the Godhead is forbidden. Now, Christ Jesus is a member of the Godhead. That is quite clear from the scriptures. Even Christ Jesus himself, in speaking to the Pharisees, said, I say therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You shall die in your sins. By using the expression, I am, 
the very words that were reserved to God in the Old Testament in the famous declaration, I am that I am, he was showing that he is part of a member of the Godhead. And therefore we shall not and cannot and are forbidden to make images of him just as we are forbidden to make images of the Father of the Holy Spirit. He is the self-existing eternal God who through Moses gave us the Ten Commandments. And this second commandment explicitly forbids making representations of his person. In creating images of Christ in books, videotapes, films, stained glass windows, or other artistic mediums, an example of man's devices. It is going beyond scripture in an attempt to present Christ and to present his message. This is exactly what is forbidden in scripture. Creating a visual representation of Christ Jesus the Lord by definition is presenting another Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ in his person, in his character and work is divine and perfect. There's no saviour other than him and no saviour allowed rather than the one that is presented on the pages of Scripture. Those who claim that they're only depicting the humanity of Jesus Christ and not his divinity fall into the grievous heresy of Nestorianism, who Nestorius and his followers wrongly attempted to divide the humanity from the deity of Christ and ended up by making an idol of him in their own hearts. And that's what modern productions of depictions of Christ, either in paintings or in movies, present an idol. The Lord God gave us a word book, not a picture book. The gospel is at stake. The scripture says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. It comes through the powerful words of God. And those words are sufficient and they are convicting in the words of scripture itself. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is God's revealed propositional truth that has power to change hearts and minds of those who live in the darkness of their own imaginations. It is by that conviction, by faith alone, through grace alone, and in Christ Jesus alone, that somebody is saved before the all-holy God. The visual works of man to present a Christ and all the emotional power that they can whip up 
negates the very message of the gospel because they, it goes beyond what is written and it purports to be able to present Christ in another way rather than the word in which he is given to the world. Notwithstanding the commandment and the fact that scripture has forbidden the making of images, and we're talking in particular of Christ Jesus, we have three-dimensional images of Christ displayed in the Catholic world and upheld by the official Catholic teaching. It is not only all right to make such images according to Catholic teachings, but these idols can also be venerated. I'm quoting now for the New Catechism from the New Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2131, quotation, basing itself on the mystery of the incarnate word, the Seventh Ecumenical Council of Nicaea, 787, justify the veneration of icons of Christ, but also of the Mother of God, of angels, and of all the saints. End of quotation. The temptation to replace the biblical Christ with a visible Christ has dominated the Catholic world, and it can be seen across the Catholic nations of the world. But now, the sad thing is that men who call themselves Christian are accepting the same thing. A figure that one can touch, see, wear on jewellery, visible in such things as a crucifix, is identified as an object through which one can approach God and learn about God. And so videos, pictures and movies are presented as a way that one can learn about God and Christ Jesus. The scripture says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We're not to think beyond what is written, as the Apostle Paul so clearly gave the commandment of God. We are to approach God and Christ Jesus through the revelation given by his Holy Spirit. We ask, what could be more damning or a worse blasphemy than to present the very Godhead as an image in a way that attempts to give the message of Calvary? And this is what Mel Gibson has done. We're not saying that he is not sincere but we're saying that he is sincerely wrong and in error in what he has done. Evangelical leaders in endorsing this Catholic film further solidify the image of the counterfeit Christ in the minds of many. As we have seen in the quotation I just gave, the Catholic Church endorses and approves of idols, images of the Lord, while the Bible explicitly forbids it. Now, how can evangelicals endorse such a thing, except they hide under the umbrella of the Catholic Church 
and come to accept what the Catholic Church says and become adrift away from the scripture and that's what we are seeing it is sad that at the same time as we have this movie we are coming to the end of over 30 years and more of dialogue between Catholicism and the evangelical world and such famous declarations of oneness of faith such as evangelicals and Catholics together it is no wonder because if evangelicals concede on the gospel the very next thing to concede on is the question of idolatry that's the way it has always been in the history of Israel and in the history of the Christian church once the gospel goes idolatry is revealed now it is important for us to see the true meaning of the cross as it is given in the pages of scripture so that we can carefully and with compassion analyze what is in the movie the scripture gives us the clear meaning of Christ Jesus crucifixion and it was not just in his physical sufferings but much more it was his undergoing and enduring the wrath of God to be a propitiation for sin God's wrath was placed on Christ Jesus and he suffered the full extent of the unabated curse of God against sin and sinners the fullness of the divine wrath was upon Christ Jesus it was like that fire that came down from heaven in the Old Testament and would consume the sacrifice so the fire of God's wrath came upon Christ Jesus as he was on the cross and Christ Jesus cried out my God, my God why hast thou forsaken me that he separated from the Father as if it were suffering a million, million hells in the place of the believer he took the wrath of God upon himself in place of the true believer and this was altogether necessary that he would substitute for the believer so that he could then credit to the believer his own righteousness this strict substitution was demanded so that God could be just and the justifier of those who believe so rather than physical torment the horror and torment of the separation of Christ Jesus from the Father is what the scriptures focus on and that can only be portrayed through the words of scripture in his spirit Christ Jesus felt the full wrath of God and this is precisely explained many times but one part in particular I go to it is the famous quote that summarizes the 
whole meaning of the cross in the Apostle Paul. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ Jesus was made sin for his people. The wrath of God's anger against sin flamed on him. He was the sin offering, the sacrifice for sin. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, he was pierced and bruised by the Lord. He, personally all holy and all righteous, was the substitute for his own, rendering himself legally responsible before the judgment seat of God for the sins of his people. The consequence of Christ's faithfulness even to this separation from God in experiencing the wrath of God. And his death and his resurrection is the culmination of the finished work of Christ Jesus. In the words of the Apostle Paul, his righteousness, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, is upon all them that believe. That is the righteousness of God that is credited to the believer. It was God who constituted Christ Jesus to be sin for us. He was made sin, as if it were legally, the sin of the true believer was credited to him. In likewise manner, his righteousness is credited to, to the believer. This is the relationship of the Father to the Son that is quite evident even in the prophecies in the Old Testament. And justification then is the gracious act of the Almighty God so that he would send his Son into the world that whosoever believeth on him would not perish but would have everlasting life in trusting on this finished work. Now this entire biblical message that we have summarized here is entirely missing from the film The Passion of Christ and in its place is substituted the Catholic faith of both Mel Gibson and Caviso, the main actor who portrays Christ. Mel Gibson is a traditionalist Catholic. He has produced this film with a false Christ based on the apparitions of a famous Catholic mystic, Anne Catholic Emmerich. And this famous Catholic mystic and you will see much about her on the internet and the four volumes of the books she has written. These books were the basis for the mind being shaped in Mel Gibson of how he was to make the movie. The name of the 
books that she produced are called the Dolorous Passion for Jesus Christ. The book, which are actual fact books, narrate the incredible details of the horrendous sufferings undergone by Christ Jesus. It is critical to realize that the images of the movie and the language of the movie flow directly from this. And it flows directly from Mel Gibson's own faith as a traditionalist Catholic. He is not an ordinary Catholic. He's one of those Catholics who believe that Vatican II never should have been and believes in the 16th century Catholic Mass with all its mysticism. In a direct quotation of what he said to the Eternal Word television network, he said, I don't go to any other services. I go to the old Trinitine Rite. That's the way I first saw it when I was a kid. So I think that that informs one's understanding of how to transcend language. Now, initially, I didn't understand Latin, but I understood the meaning and message of what they were doing. I understood it very fully. It was very moving and emotional and efficacious, if I may say so. End of quotation. The goal of the movie is to shake modern audiences by brashly juxtaposing, and here we quote Gibson, the sacrifice of the cross with the sacrifice of the altar, which is the same thing. End of quotation. This notion of the sacrifice of the altar being the same thing as Christ's suffering on the cross is traditional Catholicism, is modern Catholicism, and it is at the back of the mind of Mel Gibson and comes out in the movie. It is also part of the official teaching of the Catholic Church. I quote from the New Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1367. The sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. The victim is one and the same. This same sacrifice which is celebrated in the Mass, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross, is contained and is offered in a non-bloody manner. The Catholic Church talks about the victim and that he is offered. Christ Jesus never was a victim and he is not continually offered. But such is the thought in Catholicism. And they blend together the sacrifice of the cross with the sacrifice of the Mass. And this blending together of the Mass and the sacrifice of the cross with moving images is what is in this movie. 
the sacrifice of Christ was a perfect offering once done, once sacrificed, once offered. To put forward a reenactment of the once offered sacrifice is to speak against Christ. It is an utter blasphemy against his person and against his sacrifice. In Catholicism and in the Passion movie, we have a willing putting together of the cross and the sacrifice of the Mass in a dramatized way that is highly emotional and that can move people, but it moves them to deception, away from the biblical message. Concerning the film, Mel Gibson declared, quotation, it reflects my beliefs. He also said in the New Yorker, September the 15th, 2003, there is no salvation for those outside the church. I believe it. He sees that a person can only be in the Catholic Church. And so he's presented a Catholic message to the world. And in this Catholic movie, made by a Catholic director, with a Catholic main actor, and theological Catholic advisors, we have a Catholic message. According to the Catholic webpage called Catholic Exchange, quotation, the Passion of Christ offers a once-in-a-life opportunity for you to spread, strengthen, and share the Catholic faith with your family and friends. End of quotation. So, Catholics see this as a way of spreading Catholicism because it has a Catholic message. It is obvious that the Catholic presentation is that of a Catholic Christ and of the Catholic meaning of his sacrifice. Now, what is real sad and is hard to deal with, but we've got to deal with it, is that what we just saw earlier on about the relationship of the Father and the Son, that the Father so loved the world that he gave his Son to bear the wrath that he had against sin, that the Father who gave his Son to the world that this love of the Father is replaced by Mary offering her son in the movie. The culminating fact of the Father sending Christ Jesus and of Christ Jesus accepting that sending of the Father, for example, in the words, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, showing his priceless sacrifice to which he redeems sinner this is substituted by the portrayal of Mary offering Christ in the movie Christ being sent of God is the scripture message we saw some of that already other scriptures say that this was the father's plan and purpose the words of the scripture, him, Jesus Christ,
been delivered by the predominant, uh, pre, uh, ter, by the, the counsel or knowledge of God. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. For by one offering he had perfected forever them that are sanctified. The one offering of Christ Jesus by the counsel of God from eternity is what is given in Scripture. This perfect sacrifice is the relationship of the Father to Son. Now to denigrate this by portraying Christ as being offered by his mother is really to speak against God a blasphemy against the very purpose of God. The Passion of Christ, the movie, leaves us with a vision of the sacrifice of Christ that is full of sorrow, doleful and dismal. It puts into sharp focus the importance of Mary offering her son. In an interview with Zenith, that is the Catholic News service, and we find them also on the internet. Father Thomas Rosica, the priest who oversaw the World Youth Day 2002 and the Way of the Cross through the streets of Toronto, Canada, illustrated how the Passion of Christ, the movie, is in keeping with Roman Catholic theology. And he said, one scene in particular was very moving as Jesus falls on the way of the cross there is a flashback to his falling on a Jerusalem street as a child and his mother running out of the house to pick him up and so Mary comes dramatically into the movie and there's an interplay between Jesus and Mary in the movie it's a climax in the Pieta Everybody know what the Pieta is. That is the touching scene that we have in the Michelangelo um, statues and now in this movie of Christ laying in the arms of his mother, the dead body of Christ. This is extra-biblical. It is not from the pages of Scripture. But it is dramatically in Catholic tradition. And all of this doleful, sorrowful, horrendous suffering of Christ is in keeping with the pages of Anne Catherine Emmerich's books, The Dolorous Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ, going beyond the scripture message. Again, we must come back to the actual words of scripture so that we can see clearly what the true message is. Christ Jesus triumphed in his sacrifice. He perfectly gives all those who come to him freedom from guilt and the power of guilt and the punishment of sin. He puts those who trust in him alone into sure possession of a perfect holiness and the joy of fellowship with himself and the Father. In the words of scripture, 
and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. And where there is remission of, of these, there is no more offering for sin. The true believer's sins and iniquities are remembered no more by God as they trust on Christ and Christ alone. This shows the riches of divine grace and the sufficiency of Christ's relationship with his Father and the satisfaction of the cross. There is now no more remission of sins. There is now no more offering for sin. Christ's suffering finished it. There is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, perfect accord with the Father in his final finished work. Now, nobody can doubt Mel Gibson's sincerity. It, this is evident in the many interviews that he has done on different uh, television stations, radio stations, magazines, and different communication media. His sincerity is obvious. But he has been deceived. He is a classic portrayal of the devout Catholic sincerely believing the traditions of the Catholic Church and he in particular the old traditions of the Catholic Church and he promotes a blasphemous presentation of Christ and a wrong message our heart goes out to him and Jim Gavisel the main actor because they are deceived I know personally what it is to be deceived. I was 48 years in Catholicism. I know what it is to believe like these men believe. I was 22 years a priest. I know what it is to offer the sacrifice of the Mass and think that it is the same as Christ's sacrifice. My heart goes out to these men and my heart goes out to all devout Catholics. I know what it is to be there. But that is not the message. The message is on the pages of Scripture alone. On the authority of Scripture alone before the All-Holy God. It is Christ's finished work on the cross and that alone. His bearing of the wrath of God in place of the true believer. That alone justifies. And any portrayal of his physical sufferings do nothing but deceive as they are presented as a way of condoling or offering condolences to him or trying to be like him instead of trusting on him alone. This is to try and replace the gospel message with another message and trying to replace the relationship of the Father and the Son bringing Mary into the picture it just confuses the whole issue. Now the influence on Mel Gibson was not just the mystic that we spoke about, but very predominantly it was Medjugorje, the apparitions of Mary at Medjugorje in Bosnia. And in particular, not just on Mel Gibson, but on the main actor of the movie, Jim Caviezel. 
he was interviewed in Bosnia-Herzegovina about his role in the operations and how the, how the I know, beg your pardon, about his, how the operations had affected him. Before we get to that, I think it's important to notice that the Catholic Church has endorsed many operations of Mary right across the world and that she gives her approval of many apparition sites. There have been many appearances of Mary and we can see even on the internet some of the messages that go out from this site in uh, Bosnia and you just have to go to Medjugorje.com on the internet to find these uh, messages. They're given sometimes in different languages besides English, so if you're making a search, you've got to search for the English language. The apparitions at uh, Medjugorje in Bosnia from the website says the following. Our Lady continues to give messages to six young people from the village of Medjugorje. Ivan, Jakov, Mirija, Mirjana, Vika, and Ivanka. These six young people referred to as visionaries had the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary since June 24, 1981. The influence of Mary of Medjugorje has been documented on Jim, the main actor of the movie. And I'd like to read from the account of the interview that he did uh, in Medjugorje itself in December the 6th, uh, 2003. Father Mario uh, Chesovic uh, interviewed him and asked him different questions about how he really came to see the importance of the Medjugorje message. And Kavaisal said, quotation, I was in the seventh grade and our priest showed us a film of the children during an apparition. We were told it was true. We came from a mixed Catholic community, mostly Croatians and Italians. My grandmother was 100% Croatian. It didn't seem hard to believe. It took me 15 years to come. When I came, I knew immediately from what I was feeling in my heart that it was real. I haven't seen signs or anything, but I have been a Catholic my whole life, and I have never felt in confession as I felt when I was here. It was a tremendous healing. End of quotation. He speaks about the influence of Medjugorje on him in making the film. And then the interviewer says to him, the passion of Christ's movie in which you are playing Jesus Christ is almost finished. What was it like to play Jesus? How did you adjust your body, your soul, and your body to the soul of Jesus? What was it to be Jesus? And Jim Kavaisel replied, 
the catharsis for me to play this role was through Medjugorje, through gospel. In preparation, I used it all that Medjugorje taught me. Mel Gibson and I were going every day to Mass together. Some days I couldn't go for Mass, but I was receiving the Eucharist. Somewhere along the line, I confession every day, so I thought that I should go for confession as often as possible. So the confession was the preparation for the Eucharist. And then he speaks about the relic of the true cross quotation that was given to him. I kept this on me at all times. They made a special pocket in my clothes for it. I also had the relics of Padre Pio, St. Anthony of Padua, St. Maria Goretti, and St. Denisius, the patron saint of actors. Another thing was fasting. I read many of the messages continuously. Every day, everyone could see me with a rosary in my hands. End of quotation. He was saying that it was a catharsis for him. Medjugorje and the gospel, that is the message of Medjugorje. Medjugorje keeps giving a wrong message to the world and to Catholics in particular. I quote from one of these messages and it is given in the book Words from Heaven, Messages of Our Lady from Medjugorje, 5th edition, quotation, Dear children, this evening I pray that you especially venerate the heart of my son. Make reparation for the wound inflicted on the heart of my son. Mary, in this message, purportedly Mary, of course, not Mary of the Scripture, asking for reparation to be made to Christ for the wound that was inflicted on him. In Scripture, it is because Christ Jesus was wounded, bruised for our iniquities, that we do not have to make reparation. We do not have to suffer ourselves. He it was that bore all the suffering. This is the very reason why we don't have to suffer ourselves and make reparation or to suffer in the words of Fatima because many souls go to hell because there's nobody to pray or do sacrifices for them. The same idea of suffering for sin. This is not the message. The message is that Christ is the only one who suffered in the place of sinners and his sufferings alone are redemptive. Now Jim Caviezel's carrying relics, pieces of bone, and of the true cross in his pockets seems something like the occult, but that is official Catholic teaching that we are to venerate relics. And the Catholic Church says that we are to have communion with the dead. This presenting of Christ in an image fashion with a false message and a false relationship doing with the very offering of his sacrifice is what is in this movie. It should melt our hearts for the main actor, for the producer, 
for those who have made the movie and for those who have been deceived by it. It is not the Christ who suffered once and gave his life as a ransom for many. It is not him who knew no sin, who became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It is a counterfeit Christ and a counterfeit message. It relies heavily on emotion and the manipulation of emotions and strange mystical words in Arabic and in Latin so that people feel a mysticism and a strangeness. But this is not the message of Scripture. It is a high point of emotional drama that is also a high point of deception. And so it is for us to address the whole question of how this movie, like other movies of Christ, have been accepted in the evangelical community. It's like, again, what had been recorded in Scripture when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, made Israel to sin. We have the acceptance that Christ can be pictured and that the one eternal God, whom Christ Jesus is, can be pictured in a way that we learn more about him in graphic, three-dimensional form. This is taking place in our, way, in our own day in pernicious ways to deceive many. This is really serious and it is for us to take these matters before the All-Holy God and to cry out to him for wisdom that we may understand the scriptures that this very thing is forbidden. We are not to think beyond what is written. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I think that we've reached a crisis state in the evangelical church whereby again we've got to come back to the scriptures alone of being the standard by which we know and learn about God. The scriptures alone are sufficient. They are all sufficient to open the eyes of men and women to their sin condition. What eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the mind of men, God hath revealed. And these things are revealed by the Spirit, the Scripture says, on the pages of Scripture, not in theatrical presentations of a counterfeit Christ. I really appeal in this message to churches, to pastors, to elders, to evangelical leaders who have bowed the knee to Catholicism and accepted videos, movies, and pictures of Christ, that they would take these things before the scriptures and that they would see just what is said on the pages of scripture. And that we hear, as it were, the very commandment of Christ Jesus as it is given in Revelation chapter 2 verse 16. Repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Christ Jesus on this very point, as in many other points of sin, asks us to repent. That if we have gotten into idolatry 
that we repent of it and we come back to the fact that scripture alone is sufficient to portray Christ. And it is a very serious matter. And if Christ Jesus is to judge us, how can we stand before him? His word cuts deeply. It is grievous. The sword that comes forth from Christ Jesus' mouth leaves us destitute. We cannot stand before his judgment. His threatenings cannot be taken lightly. We have to obey him and his word and to trust him and to trust him alone so that we will come back to the truth of his word. I say this not only to you but including myself that all of us would repent of any idolatry that has been in our life. And in the words of scripture we would hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. The commandment to keep ourselves from idols is the very last words of the Apostle John in his first letter to the churches when he speaks of Christ Jesus coming. He said, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and that we are in him that is true, even in Christ Jesus. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. The true God and eternal life is on the pages of Scripture, not in any picture, video, or movie. It is on the pages of Scripture and in the preaching that is given based on the pages of Scripture. Now, if you do not know that you are in Christ, my appeal to you is to pray that the Spirit of the living God would convict you and that you would know that we are all destitute before the All-Holy God. And that you would ask the same All-Holy God that you may know this one who is true. And most of important that you would know that he has died in the place of sinners. Pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you that you are a sinner. Him alone. And in trusting on him alone that you would have that joy, peace and contentment. To know that you have peace with God. Now and for all eternity. The gospel message that is precious. And that is glorious. And that cannot be taken away the power that is in the gospel message. And may God be glorified, and that is the heart and cry of which I finish, that God will be praised and glorified as we look to the finished work of Christ, his perfect sacrifice and his resurrection. We give praise, glory, worship and honor unto him who is eternal and true. Praise, glory, worship, honor to the one true God, now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. If the Lord touches you, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our website at www.bereanbeacon.org. That's B-E-R-E-A-N-Beacon.org.